Now, there have been many golden ages. People talk about the golden age of cinema or film. And this idea really is where people look back at history and define and see that at a particular point in time, things were good, a particular art form was really flourishing, and everywhere you looked, things were amazing. These days, when I look around, I see that artists seem to be getting better and better, and they seem to be getting better and better faster. And something that I often like to do is posit the question or the idea that Perhaps we are in the midst of a new golden age of illustration and artistic endeavor. If we look at the why behind these types of situations, these golden eras, it's often an interesting combination of good incentives within the marketplace to create and draw people to do a certain thing. There's also often a good mix of technology in there where we see new technologies really bringing around new possibilities for creating and doing things that potentially weren't there before. I think there's a number of reasons why this is an interesting idea to explore for you, for the current artist, especially if you're an aspiring artist, because I think that it can be disheartening to be in a marketplace where Lots of your competition and people you're looking up to and around at are really good. And the quality and the, the bar seems really high. I think also there's a lot of opportunity that comes from being in one of these points in time. And I think the more that we can appreciate it and understand it, the more we're likely to be able to take advantage of those opportunities. I also think that this golden age, this thing that we're experiencing right now, even if we're in the middle of it, at the end of it, or just at the beginning, I think will be like no other golden age that has come before. And that's exactly what I want to talk about in this episode. Welcome to the Visual Scholar Podcast. My name is Tim McBurney. I've been a professional working artist for over 20 years. And on this show, we're all about demystifying the worlds of art, creativity, and productivity so that you can get better faster and enjoy your artistic journey. Okay, so before we jump into the meat of this sort of thought experiment, I just want to, you know, cover a few basic bases that might head off a few kind of um, maybe sort of overzealous comments. Obviously, this is meant to be a little bit more of a fun, as I said, thought experiment. The idea here is not necessarily to end a conversation or point you in a particular direction. This is meant to start a conversation. So I'd be really keen to hear what you have to say or think in the comments below once you're done sort of, you know, checking out the basic thesis here. But there really is no way, obviously, to know the future, let alone how people in the future might view us and our creative sort of productivity, what we actually do. I think that often people can get quite misguided in understanding how they are viewed in the future and things are often not necessarily what people imagine. So I, th I feel like that should be obvious, but um, nevertheless, I think it's worth pointing out. Now, I guess an elephant in the room is the idea that a golden age is followed by something which is considered not to be 
quite so golden. We often even talk about dark ages, times where progress seems to go backwards, technology seems to go backwards. This has often happened with art in many ways. The golden age of illustration due to photography was, you know, in in many ways kind of followed by a period of less focus on artistic craft. And there wasn't quite the same level of incentives after that golden age, perhaps, to really reach those same levels of sort of craft and design. And, you know, that, that sort of energy maybe sort of left that industry or group of creatives. I think this idea is obviously there. But as I said, I really think that what we're experiencing now is going to be a little bit different. But I think that that concept of there being something negative at the end of this is is also something really worth considering because I think if we're trying to be artists and, and progress and build a career or a hobby or something that we want to kind of put a lot of time into, it's really important to see and understand how these things might play out. Because if that is a reality, we need to understand it so that, again, we can overcome that eventuality. So that's the kind of stuff that I really want to dig into when we discuss the idea of sort of golden age followed by what. As I said, I view this more as a fun thought experiment. And the reason to do this is to try and get out of our current frame of mind to see where we are right now, potentially through the frame of history, because I think that allows us to appreciate better potentially where we are and what the opportunities are going to be. And also, I think, really to get over some of these traps that can be there, because as I said, it can be very frustrating, even if you are in a really good place in history, to learn something, to learn art, because, again, the environment around you seems very competitive and it's hard to feel good about your art in one of these eras, potentially. So, That's often why I frame this idea and why I think it's sort of important to consider it because it directly relates to kind of a lot of things that are very, very important. So I can use myself as a good example, I think, of this idea because a lot of it is based on my experience, obviously. Again, I'm really coming at this from someone who is interested in representative art illustration and kind of drawing stuff a little bit more from the imagination. I think that obviously the golden age of illustration had a lot of those same principles, striving for illustrating real scenes. A lot of it sort of had to be drawn from imagination because reference was quite tricky to come by. And a lot of these things had to be imagined to begin with, right? So I think that, again, it's important to understand this is really based on my sort of view of the world. Now, I think that when I was starting to consider becoming someone who would work deeply on their artistic craft, I wanted to be a professional of some kind. There really was not a lot of opportunity there, both in terms of what the incentives for me to do that in a marketplace would be, i.e., would I get a job? Was there some paycheck at the end of this? And also there was the question of how does one learn art in the first place? A lot of that is because I'm in Australia and there was never a you know huge Uh, you know, sort of high level set of schools or teachers or places you could kind of go um, back then. But also 
there was a lot of hostility towards representational art and a lot of art was kind of viewed as sort of you're going to be doing modern art gallery work and illustration is kind of a really bad thing. It's kind of hack work for, you know, people who are not real artists. And again, it was just a, a time that felt very unlike a golden era, a golden age of illustration. It was just very hard to do anything. And for me, kind of being in that situation, it was kind of almost like a vow of poverty and a vow of kind of, you know, just sort of doing this stuff because I really wanted to. And I think that is probably something that, you know, uh, the, the other people who became professionals who are in my same sort of generation often can sort of relate to, right? There wasn't a lot of incentive to do it. There wasn't a lot of sort of jobs on offer. I think if you compare that to now, where we see the modern entertainment design industry being a good incentive to work on your craft, to become a skilled artist so that you can, again, get a job doing some variety of thing, uh, could be, again, creating concept art or illustration, whatever it is that you do, I feel like what we're seeing is that there's a big incentive now for people to get really good. And also because of the internet, quote unquote, it's a lot easier for people to learn. Not just that, but I think we've seen also a proliferation of teaching not just online, but everywhere. I feel like there's more schools, there's more high quality information. The cat is out of the bag in terms of how this stuff is done. And I think potentially before that, it was, um, again, in, in more of that kind of dark age modality where there wasn't a huge incentive to become a professional illustrator. There wasn't necessarily heaps of money to do um, a variety of things. There, there was a limited number of jobs available. And I think that uh, because of that, a lot of the schools didn't necessarily put a big emphasis on it. So the idea of kind of having a really high level of craft that was being taught was kind of pointless, right? Because it didn't really matter. There wasn't a huge number of jobs there. Now, I think that we'll often see a huge interplay between these ideas of what people are wanting to do as a job what the opportunities for those jobs are currently and what educational institutions tend to then market and push and work on and compete with each other against. So you're not just seeing artists kind of get better when we have these golden ages. What we're often seeing is this, the competition for everything in general lifts because there's a lot of sort of money in the system there. There's a lot of um, you know, light at the end of the tunnel, let's say. And so people tend to put a lot of energy into it. Again, I've seen this firsthand with uh, schools in the entertainment design industry. Um, you kind of go from like, who would ever want to draw? That's just a complete job for losers. You never make any money to it. Um, to all of a sudden politicians and everyone's kind of like, you know, wide-eyed smiles and like, yeah, yeah. How can we get more of those jobs here? 
Um, you know, oh, we've got a school that teaches you that. Um, we've got this many students doing that. Yes, we're, you know, we're part of this thing. This is very, very good and we're very close to it. So again, all of that comes down to the incentives in the marketplace, right? And I think basically video games and VFX in television, um, you know, cartoons on streaming networks have really made a, a good industry for people who are artists and can justify kind of learning the craft of being an artist and, um, you know, get a job in some industry. Now, it's important to understand that a basic fundamental thesis of mine that relates to pretty much every single thing that I do and teach is that the art that you create, the artist you are, and the way that you make money are completely different entities, essentially. So the way I view this is that similarly with a golden age of illustration, there was a good incentive to create particular types of illustrations in a market. And that incentivizes people to, you know, learn to do it, to learn the craft. And often things that they come up with after they learn that craft are kind of almost more interesting than the job that kind of incent, like, you know, made them want to do it in the first place. So you kind of get this weird mix of things when there's a reason and, and competition for people to do a particular job and sort of people do want to do it. And then everyone kind of starts to do it and then they start to compete and the craft gets quite high. People get good at drawing, perspective, rendering, all of these things. They get good at composition, color theory. They start to employ it. They're competing with a hundred other people who are also really good. So everyone's like crunching and really trying to make everything they do really, really amazing. Um, and people start reading books and trying to find like an edge, right? Like a way to stand out in that marketplace, um, posting on social media, all of these things. And again, I, that it's, it's this huge mix of these things that kind of creates this increase in the level of quality that I think we can kind of see today. Now, again, this is something that I've been able to track pretty closely because I have been pretty close to sort of students who are progressing through the skill stack and also just, you know, I've just been around for quite a while looking at online forums where, and sort of places like ArtStation, CG Hub before ArtStation, you can just kind of see that like the level is getting really good. Um, so I'll give you a few examples of that sort of in, in my instance, right? Um, you know, like when I was starting digital art, there was a guy called Craig Mullins who kind of really figured out how to paint in Photoshop. And if you know who Craig Mullins is, you know who Craig Mullins is. If you don't, it's probably because, again, now there's like a hundred or a thousand Craig Mullins, people who are sort of um, to, to, the, to the untrained eye, just as good as Craig Mullins in terms of being able to paint realistic scenes in Photoshop um, digitally um, or traditionally, right? Now, back then there was you could probably count on a hand the number of people who could do that. Now it feels like there are thousands of people who not only are kind of could be a carbon copy in terms of his style, but also people who have taken it and ran with it and created their own style with the same level of sort of technical finesse. Any of those people now, if you sort of transported them back 15, 20 years and you put them in that marketplace, I mean, they would be an instant God in terms of art. And I think that's really the thing that defines what I'm talking about 
if you take the general level now and you took it back to the marketplace 20 years ago, you would just completely destroy everyone and everything instantly, right? You would instantly be so far above everyone else. And that's certainly been the case for me. If I look at, you know, the, the first job I got, I was a sort of texture artist, like a very low level texture artist in a video game company. And I kind of got that job because I was one of the few people, you know, in Adelaide slash Australia who could use Photoshop, right? And I could kind of draw and I was sort of young and keen. And that's kind of what got me the job, right? There was a whole bunch of other people who are, you know, obviously trying to get the, the same job, but it wasn't that I had some great portfolio or I was, you know, especially skilled. If you look at things now, it was just that there wasn't that many other people trying to get the job. There wasn't that many people with the same skill set, And that was because, again, there was no incentive scheme. There was no one even knew those jobs existed. Um, it, it was the very, very small. So, again, as we progress, you can see that most students that I would teach now you know, I get people um, when I was teaching at, uh, you know, sort of teaching in person at the concept design uh, workshop at CDW in Adelaide, I would get people who come in and they're like 17 from high school and like their folio right now before they've even done four years of tertiary education where I'm going to like teach them how to draw. They're already better than I was when I got my first job. Um, and most of the people who graduate are like way better than I would have been. Um, if you just look at the folio, right. If you look at the technical capabilities, right. Like they would have gotten the job. So, you know, like the, the average student that, that is kind of coming out of like uh, tertiary education would wipe the floor with me. Right. And I was the apex predator at that time. Um, again, not cause I was necessarily that good just because it's a marketplace. It's about who else is out there? Who else wants to do it? Um, who knows about these opportunities? So again, it's it's an interesting way to view this, but that's kind of where I'm coming from anyway, in terms of like sort of where we're at. And it's what makes me look around and kind of think about, wow, that's really interesting that that, that, that skill level has kind of increased so much. And I think that what we're seeing now, if you are, again, one of those 17-year-old students or someone who is kind of looking at what's happening now, it, it's easy to kind of take that for granted, right? And I think if we just appreciate how good both the competition is, because the competition is what allows you to get better. The competition is what allows you to understand what's possible in what time, to ask the questions, to think about what you could do differently. If there's not the competition, it's very hard to know because you can't ask people. There's not communities. There's not other people doing it. So coming into an environment like that is, I think, like actually a really, really good thing. But again, as I said, it can be a little bit disheartening. Anyway, I digress. The main point here that I just want to make is that often I find that students aren't appreciating how easy some things are and how hard other things are. So it's a lot easier now to learn to do art because we have a lot of good competition. We have a lot of good training. We have a lot of good incentives. We have a lot of good marketplace opportunities. 
But because of that, it's also really challenging. So you never get a free lunch, right? Even if you're born into a great time to be an artist, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be easy. It just means that I think there's going to be a lot of energy in that environment. And that's really what I see now. A lot of energy, a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of people, a lot of competition. And in general, I think that is actually a really, really good thing. All right. So let's look a little bit and shift focus to think about kind of how and why does this happen? Now, I've touched on this a little bit, but I think it's worth exploring to a certain degree a little bit deeper. Now, I think the real key here is, as I've said, that there is frequently a mix of new technology, new opportunity, and there is a real incentive in the marketplace. That means there are jobs, there's things to do. I think that these things are often going to make people money, right? There are real heroes out there. There are people in the golden age of illustration who are becoming illustrators that everyone sees, So if we look at the golden age of illustration, which again is very much linked to the idea of printing, of periodicals and magazines being a new form of entertainment, again, similar to streaming, similar to video games, the idea of being able to pick up a magazine and have pictures in it was kind of new. And the scale and the the, the, the mass marketness of it was, I think, new as well in those time periods. And I think what it did was it kind of attracted, I would imagine, a lot of people who are quite inquisitive and intelligent and interested. And it gives them kind of a lot of energy, a lot of ammunition, a lot of fuel to kind of pursue those crafts. So you see a big infusion of people, money, energy kind of combining to lift the level of craft and artistry in the golden age of illustration. You have artists like, uh, typically it's sort of talked about people like Howard Pyle, Norman Rockwell, you have J.C. Leyendecker, etc. Now, the reason those names are often sort of mentioned is because they were the people who were illustrating the books and magazines that, again, would have been top of mind for your average person in America or in a Western country. Again, a lot of these names are going to change depending on what country you're in. I'm really focusing on the Western sort of uh, American market because that's kind of how my sort of uh, frame of it works. But again, these were household names. These were artists whose work was on the most popular thing that people kind of saw that week. You had comic book illustrators, right? But they weren't comic book illustrators because comics were pulp fiction, the real money and the real artistry was in the Sunday paper strip, the full page comic at the back of the newspaper on Sunday that every single person read. This is where you have comics like Prince Valiant or, um, again, these things where the artists who created these were household names. They were gods. They were superstars before we had the actors that we have today, before we had the Kardashians, again, we had Hal Foster. We had all of these artists who everyone wanted to be. To be this was to strike it rich, both in fame and fortune. This would have been a mix of being at the cutting edge of technology, of printing, of reproduction, to be also at the cutting edge of 
artistry of having all the mystery and intrigue and the sexual politics and opportunity that would literally come from being an artist, right? Someone who is pushing boundaries. And you combine that with, again, you know, a strong level of fame. You combine all that stuff and you're going to get a really, really interesting mix of people, obviously. And again, that's what sort of creates these golden ages. It's not just that people decide to kind of get good at something. And then as the dark ages roll in, everyone kind of just forgets about it. There is often a real measurable incentive to do this, to get good as an illustrator in the previous golden age of illustration would have been something magical. It would have been something to aspire to. And I think typically what happens is that the craft gets really, really high to the point where this is often, again, you know, what I would sort of imagine is that if you look back on those times, and, you know, certainly the times following would no slouch, right? But there's often if you look around at those times and you can kind of see, because again, finding illustrations from that period in time is not necessarily easy. You have to be a, a student and, and, and have a lot of passion for that era of illustration. But you kind of look at some of these people and it's like, who is this person? It's just some random, you know, person you never heard of and their drawing is like perfect and their composition is amazing and like everything is just like leaping off the page. And it's like, wait, who, who is this? I've never heard of them before. And they're just like another children's book illustrator, uh, another editorial illustrator from that era, era. And, you know, there was just a huge range of people who could like draw accurate anatomy and just do it all day, every day. They, everyone understood perspective. Everyone understood rendering. Why? Because that was the craft. That's what you had to do. Obviously, people used uh, photographs, a, a huge variety of techniques to create these images, right? Again, um, you know, Norman Rockwell is famous for um, carefully crafting the, the sort of uh, the, the photographic elements of his images. So again, the way that people did it was not necessarily just drawing from imagination, but the craft involved was next level, right? And to a certain degree, it's like really hasn't been seen since, right? Even now, again, you know, we, we're just sort of starting to get some, you know, from my mind, certainly for, from my sort of perspective, we, we're starting to get that same level of thing where you kind of look around, you're like, where are all these people coming from? Um, you know, everyone's getting really good. And I, I think, again, that's often what you would see back in those times. Now, I think that the reason that often might fall away is, is often because those things I mentioned also fall away. The incentives, the technology moves on and there is just a natural sort of changing of the guard, I guess, in terms of what is in vogue. I would imagine, and again, this is a simplified version of it, but I think often it's well understood that photography kind of took the shine off that illustration a little bit. Now, again, I think this often happens not just from a, an artistic standpoint, but from, again, a technology standpoint, right? The ability for the printing, it really was the ability for the printing to kind of reproduce the photographs better. And then once you kind of have that ability where the illustrations are not necessarily done to create an image that looks good in print, because again, illustration and the golden age of illustration is about creating imagery that functions when it is reproduced, 
and that's a good way to sort of frame the, the concept or idea of illustration. Um, again, from from my mind, right? I, I'm not I'm not trying to sort of classify anyone else's sort of stuff, but that's how I'm sort of viewing it here. Now, as photography gets better, people get good at that craft, at creating images with photography, with staging them, with doing it quickly, with doing it to budget, with doing it to scale. The, the cameras probably improve. The printing of that photography improves. It gets better. And at some point, again, there's less and less of those jobs available to just go through and you know, illustrate soap commercials or um, ads in magazines. You just don't need as much of that stuff. There's not the incentive in the marketplace to do that. And often what happens is you can also imagine there's a huge glut of people. This thing just keeps building. It's not imagining it's going to stop. There's all of these educational institutions training people. There's all these really, really good people coming into the marketplace and there's less and less jobs and it becomes very, very hard to compete. And I think often what you have is, again, everyone kind of competes themselves down to the lowest common denominator. And I think that's often what happens is that we then see a regression of all those other ideas. There then becomes you know, like less teaching, there becomes less jobs, there becomes less people excited about it, and you don't have that technological feeling of expansion. So that's, you know, often what happens after that, you know, the 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 idea of, for instance, being a comic book artist as being, you know, on the pulp newsstands, right? Like that's not as interesting, sort of inverted, right? And it was no longer the most popular thing later on, right, in, in, in the late sort of 1900s, right, you know, sort of 50 years ago or whatever, it was much more, it was much more popular for people to be a comic book artist versus be a newspaper strip artist, right, doing, you know, um, like Charlie Brown uh, or, you know, Tarzan, right, in, in the back of the newspaper, right, that was kind of like this antiquated thing. It didn't have a feeling of technology. It had a feeling of like, oh, that's kind of like what my grandparents read, right, and I think it's at that point where you're going to see all of those other incentives kind of shrink. So, again, that's just a little bit of a thought experiment to kind of explain maybe like what the functional elements of a great sort of expansion of energy and craft and artistry looks like and what happens to it and why it kind of goes away and, and why, it, why it doesn't necessarily persist because... I think often, again, you get the message that like there's no jobs there, there's less and less jobs, there's less and less opportunity, that, that the money and the technology is going to other sort of venues. Like, like photography is not really a comparable skill. Um, it's, it's a different thing. You, you, again, what you're seeing is like you have an artist who wants to do a particular thing, like artists kind of are in studios, they're sitting down, they're painting, they're using their hands to do stuff. Even, you know, a, a photographer who is, you know, taking reference for to be an artist is probably thinking about it differently than someone who is staging a great photo shoot, right? It's a different type of person, more extrovert potentially. Again, I don't want to dive too much into that, but that's another example of how, you're going to see a different person kind of drawn to that profession. And again, that's great that I think photography had its time um, where, you know, um, it became a great art. And
And I think people developed a huge craft in photography. And I think a lot of things were possible there that just would never have been possible with illustration. But nevertheless, the golden age of illustration and art came to end. Now, if we pace that and compare it and contrast it to what is kind of happening now, I think we're starting to see a similar series of things with sort of the modern entertainment design, digital art experience, right? This is where we have video games. We have the ability with the current technology of VFX, the current technology of animation and the scale that stu that studios can build and create animated shows. We have a lot of technology that has facilitated new ways of creating content, essentially. And I think that this has created a, a, like a content, like TV shows, um, cartoons that are sort of interesting and, and, and more cutting edge and that people actually want to see that. So, you know, for instance, you now through computers can have a 2D animated television show that is for adults and through the technology of streaming networks and again, just having sort of more adult oriented cable channels, etc. There's reasons why now you kind of have this incentive in the marketplace to build that and you can do it at a particular budget. You can find your audience, you can find your niche. There's kind of things that work due to the scale and ability of current technology. And again, the marketplace is creating incentives for that. Um, you know, it's sort of interesting to me always that we really kind of almost uh, everyone kind of buried 2D animation, right? I mean, it was kind of like, you know, they really kind of um, put the last hammer in the, put the last nail in the coffin of that thing. And I, I feel like there's, there must be like more 2D animation jobs now than there were, you know, even when Disney was, you know, kind of at its peak, surely. Again, they're different jobs, different tasks, different level of quality. But again, there's lots of opportunity there for that I see, certainly as someone who is like, has, has spent time teaching people and under and getting them to understand like no no you can get a job doing 2d animation and then they go and do it and it's kind of something they didn't really think would happen and maybe like we didn't even know it was going to happen if you kind of go back again 10 15 years because again everyone was talking about how 2d was dead and you know 3d was the the new hotness so again you you kind of see these new technological opportunities I've often sort of mentioned that I feel like TV with VFX kind of killed comic books as a, like a killer app or a killer content medium for, you know, guys throwing cars around and, you know, doing all this sort of silly Superman stuff, right? There were things that you could do in comic books that just weren't possible with any other, any other medium. And then I think the VFX in movies got better to the point where like, oh, now you can see that in a movie, but it's real. Well, that's better, right? Like we don't we need a comic anymore for any, if you're for, for your average person, same thing with TV, right? You could kind of have like a Superman TV show and you could have uh, supernatural TV shows and you could have aliens and stuff like that on TV and they didn't look really stupid. Again, it, it creates a marketplace for people to then go and design those things and create those things. I mean, the obvious example is Game of Thrones, which 
showed that there was a kind of market for a fantasy show with VFX that is as good as movie VFX and that a huge number of people would watch that. And I think as soon as everyone kind of went, oh, really? Then you see the amount of money and energy that kind of goes into that endeavor with um, the kind of, you know, Lord of the Rings uh, TV series. Uh, again, you can see what you want about the quality of it. I, I'm merely looking at the the sort of market action of like what people are kind of throwing money at and what kind of tends to happen. And there's a huge, you know, like Lord of the Rings is just the most expensive one. There's a huge variety of other things which are following the same line. And again, there's jobs for artists doing these things in production, in design. And again, you got to remember, not every artist who does you know, VFX production, you know, is like a VFX production artist. Often they're just kind of doing that. That's their job. And again, they do drawing or painting or whatever. Like they're an artist, right? Everyone's an artist. And and then you have the job you do, which is the thing where, you know, you can do something you also sort of enjoy where you're utilizing your artistic skill set um, and your understanding of like what makes a good image, your taste, and you're sort of, you know, helping create and bring something to life, let's say. So I think that, again, hopefully that stuff is like really obvious, right? And I'm, I'm mo- mostly doing it just to kind of go through the thought process of, under- process of understanding like why we are here, where we're at. The other thing that you obviously see is video games. Now, again, my experience of being someone who was trying to get into video games in the late 90s, early 2000s was that people kind of said like, oh, video games are going to become a big thing. That's like a growing industry, but it's still, there wasn't a huge amount of money in it. And no one really believed that. It was just kind of this sort of murmuring of like, oh yeah, video games might become a big thing, right? And now they're like freaking huge. It's like an epic just industry that came out of nowhere, right? And the number of people who play video games, the age range, the different sort of, um, you know, the, the, the degree of sort of R-rated-esque, hyper-violent, sort of horrific video games you can play now is kind of just like weird. If you go back to kind of, uh, again, playing on your, your Nintendo, right, um, where everything's kind of like funny. So again, it, it's the marketplace that often creates these opportunities. And that means there's like, you know, it must be like a hundred times more jobs now in video games than there was, you know, when I was sort of looking to try and get into video games, for instance. So, and that's why I kind of say, like looking at the educational side of it, seeing how good people are getting, it, it really does make me think like we, something's happening, right? Like we're, we're in it now. We're in this golden age of entertainment design, let's say, um, of sort of illustration. And it's what you see is that it's not just those things where there's those jobs, is that now again, the teaching gets better. Um, and the internet has obviously helped that as well, right? You can, again, I can make a podcast, right? And it's like, no one can stop me. Um, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to prove to anyone like, oh, I have an idea for a podcast. So it's going to be this. I'm just like, oh yeah, I think I'll do that. Right. And then you just do it because we, we are able to do it. Um, there's, there's no, um, 
barriers or gatekeepers to education now. Um, I can create my own courses. Other people can create their own courses. I, I take a, you know, a lot of sort of courses when I want to learn stuff, right? And it's really easy. So, um, you know, and again, the, the, the degree of quality and skill we can do now in, you know, a university, a three-year sort of university college course is like really, really, um, you know, high compared to what it was just because, again, there's the incentives, there's the competition. You can convince people to do stuff. It's really hard to convince people to even be like, can, can we just do a perspective class? And it's like, you know, you, you would probably you'd probably have people who are, you know, in the bowels of the, you know, college and university system just being like, oh, people don't seem to like this. I don't know why we need this. Oh, this is kind of hard. And how do we assess it? And right. When's competition, right? When there's, you know, when you're competing for these jobs and, and they want to kind of say, oh, we have this and we have this. Yes, we have like good drawing foundation and oh, how, you, you know, like all of a sudden everyone starts really moving, everyone starts moving towards like, let's make stuff as good as possible, as opposed to like, uh, let's kind of make excuses and we don't really need that. And we can probably make money from students without teaching them that. All of these things. I think there's still a lot of that that happens in modern education, probably. Again, that's why I, I like sort of, you know, online YouTube stuff. But anyway, I digress. The thing that comes out of this is that the bar is higher. People are just able to access a really high level of sort of drawing education and we're able to share our art, get feedback on it really quickly. A lot of these things were difficult back in the day. And I think it's just obvious to me that we have this kind of soup of, again, good incentives. There's something to be sort of gained by becoming an art influencer on Instagram or, um, you know, whatever it may be. There's um, a feeling that we're on the technological cutting edge with a lot of these things. We're doing digital art. We're learning how to, you know, use different tools. We can use 3D. We can use whatever. Um, again, obviously, you know, this would be one of those opportunities for people to kind of, you know, try and inject and talk about sort of AI art or whatever, which again, you know, I, I think is like not really the point of this particular um, kind of essay, let's say, but um, obviously that's like sort of a, a part of it. But um, again, not really anything to do with craft or being an artist. The key here is that it's very obvious to me that this set of technologies and set of incentives in the marketplace is creating a really, really high level of quality right now. And I think that it's only going to get better, really, if we look at the speed and the, the pacing of it. I think we're on a really good track and I don't see it slowing down anytime soon. I think it's going to get easier and easier to learn how to do good art. I think there's going to be, you know, hopefully more opportunity to do it in various different ways. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, I think there are dangers. Again, as I said, you know, AI is maybe one of them that I think uh, people are going to be worrying about. There's a huge number of things that can, you know, sort of change how these things are done and, and kind of take those opportunities away from people who like to kind of create art, right, and work on the craft, let's say. But, Either way, it's very clear to me, again, that we have a lot of this energy and all of these things are becoming easier, but more competitive and challenging at the same time. All right. So hopefully I've made the case for why I think there is like a new golden age or that there's sort of something in the air, right? There's there's a lot of energy around what we're doing right now. And I, I see it, again, seep into this is the most important thing. It's these things don't just 
go towards the jobs and the money. It creates a lot of opportunity for people who are taking advantage of, again, educational opportunities to be a much better hobbyist than you used to be. There's far less gatekeeping in terms of having to go to a particular school, learn a particular method. And, you know, you can kind of get a very high level of information that really sort of is tailored to exactly kind of where you're at and what you want to do. And I think we're seeing, again, the bar being raised and people doing really amazing things, just as kind of artists who are doing their thing on Instagram or social media and kind of starting to figure out kind of like how that business model works. And maybe they're not making as much money as people, maybe they are, I don't know, but maybe they're not making as much money as, you know, the top entertainment design jobs or whatever. But I think there's a lot of interesting possibility there where when you see the level get that high, um, interesting things that maybe we didn't think possible before sort of start to become possible. And that's why I really think that this golden age, whatever we're doing right now, I think will be unlike the previous golden ages that we've seen, especially with illustration and art, or, you know, you could potentially also link this to painting and other things. Again, I don't really have the time or mental capacity to kind of try and make some giant sort of crazy master plan for how all these things interconnect. So it's just a metaphor to try and understand where we are right now. But I think the thing that is changing is, as I said, the educational aspect to this. Previously, the thing that really kind of stopped me personally from just instantly saying, well, I don't care whether there's a there's a dark age going on. I don't care whether no one cares about illustration. I want to do this, right? And, and and I'm really interested in it. And, and I can see there's this level of craft and I want to do it. When I was 20, it was like, well, too freaking bad, right? You can't do it because no one's going to teach you. And all the people who knew how to do it are dead, right? And you know, there's just no way. Uh, people don't dedicate their lives to, to teaching this stuff. There's no incentive. And, you know, everyone's canceled their illustration and their, their architecture kind of drawing classes and, you know, courses and things you can do. So it's often that, I think, that kind of restricts the creative possibility for people to move forward with that level of craft. And that's why I think what we have going on today, where we have the technology and the ability essentially to educate ourselves as artists to completely bypass all of those gatekeepers of knowledge where normally you needed to go to a really great atelier. And again, I'm sure you still can. I'm sure we'll still have, again, a heightened marketplace for those things as well. But I think this will be very different because the era that we're entering is where information and knowledge is much more persistent. It's not going to go away, I don't think. I don't think there's the the reason for it to go away. And I think it'll be very interesting when, again, it doesn't go away and I think it's going to get better. I think the teaching aids that we're going to be able to develop, the, the information, the refinement of how to get a high level of craft as an artist and all of these things that, again, I'm trying to kind of help by making silly podcasts about topics like this. I think that there's something here and I think that's what will allow us to kind of avoid going down into any potential kind of dark age. And I think that does include AI. I think that the reason those things often destroy possibility 
and really put a clamp on creativity and, and people kind of innovating their way out of that is, again, that all of these elements, the, the money, the educational systems, the competition, some of it atrophies. And when it atrophies, that's when you get your dark age. And I don't think that's going to happen again because I just can't see how it will. The knowledge and the information is there. All of the ways that people have gotten from nothing to where they are now being really, really good in these really short periods of time. I see these people getting really good in like fairly um, – and, and, you know, they're, they're working really hard, right? It's not necessarily that everyone should be able to replicate that. But I think that's going to be possible forever, right? Where there's no reason that that knowledge should disappear. It's kind of being recorded and refined and there's reasons for us to keep that going. This is obviously a balance because with every golden age, again, we do have an inevitable sort of point where people kind of peak the energy, right? And again, I don't know whether we're just at the beginning or at the middle or as I said, the end. It's really tricky to tell. But I think the key is that I feel the new horizons and the opportunities which are there due to the technology and the ability for artists to connect, to educate ourselves, to compare ourselves to each other, to get new ideas and inspire each other are new. And I think this is going to continue to create new possibility going forward. A lot of these things have happened in a very short period of time. We're looking at digital tools being really, really good pretty quickly. You know, it, it's really only recently that people have been able to, you know, get on board the uh, with digital tools, with cameras, with ways of sharing art, with the idea of like what art is. Like, does observing the art being created make a difference, right? It's, it does seem to be that, you know, if you can see an artist at work, you know, on Instagram, on TikTok, whatever, on YouTube, that that kind of adds a new value to the work, right? It makes us view it differently. All of these things are new and it's merely because, again, good cameras are cheap, um, good digital drawing tools are cheap, um, techniques and ways of understanding how to employ traditional media are also you know, freely available. We can learn these things. So the key here is that I think even though the future is potentially a little bit foggy, I think there's far more opportunity on those new horizons than there is potential sort of calamitous dark age. Before we go, I want to, as I normally do, go into a few takeaways. And the first that I normally like to consider is how do we kind of view this information from an analytical standpoint? Where is the like sort of the, the scientific analytical point of view? I think that the way I'm viewing this is probably a little bit more metaphorical. It's a little bit more storytelling. And my goal here really is to try and understand where we are right now and to get as much information about that from a historical perspective so that that allows me to hopefully sort of view it differently. And I think if we do that, it allows us to appreciate it better because often when you have good times and things are going well, we're often trying to optimize and we're often trying to make it better. And often the problems far outweigh the positives. And it's only when you view some things from a historical perspective and look back on it and you think, 
actually, you know, on on all the merits, that was a pretty good time. And I think it would be a shame to be in one of those times and not appreciate how good it was. I think that so much of how you can spot and take advantage of opportunity is based on where you can see all of these pluses and negatives kind of working out. And it's very easy to kind of focus on the wrong thing, especially in this day and age where we have, again, the the age of distraction. There's a huge number of sort of negative things that a lot of this technology brings us. And there's a huge number of positive things. And I think the more we capture the positive elements here, the more we're just going to be able to enrich our lives and be happier. And again, that may not even be through actually changing anything. It may just be through realizing very, very simple things about the environment that you're in and, and why art is the way it is right now. If we look at this from the bro simple version, I think it's really simple. Okay. Right now, I think is a great time to be an artist. It's a great time to be alive as an artist. I think that when you see a lot of change and you see a lot of rapid evolution of technology, it can be frightening. And I think it can be distressing to see the level and skill go up, the the job requirements go up. Um, And what's asked of you is, you know, seems unreasonable. It, it, it maybe seems that the expectations set upon us are outpacing our own expectations of ourselves, right? When you got into this, you might have been sort of having some goal for, oh, I need to get here. You kind of get there and then you realize like, oh, you actually needed to get here just to sort of get your foot in the door or get noticed or whatever it is. Again, these are amorphous ideas. I do apologize. But again, I think that if we just appreciate the simple fact that this is a good time to be alive as an artist, it can help us to appreciate it, even if potentially nothing else changes. Now, if we shift tact and start to think about tactics, how can we take this information and actually do something useful with it? Look, I think it's very challenging to, you know, see around any corners, really. It's always impossible to know what the future will bring. That's the whole point. What we're really after is just trying to actually observe and look around and see what what opportunities are actually out there right now for you. I think that one of the things that I often notice is that as we have faster and faster technological change, people tend to kind of stay a little bit slower, a little bit more behind in terms of where their goals are. So people are kind of having these goals of like, oh, you know, I started doing this five or 10 years ago and this is kind of where I wanted to be and everything's kind of changing and there's a lot of energy and there's a lot of stuff going on. And I think it's really important to just look around and say, well, what else could I do with my art? Like what other opportunities are out there? Um, There's things that I see people doing right now where a few years ago just would have been impossible. Um, and I think that's going to continue to happen. It's There's lots of opportunities con- going to continue to be um, coming from weird weird places, I think. And, and, and I think if we just step back and view the fact that I think being a good artist is going to become easier, it's going to become more fun to learn and do stuff. We're going to have more access to better technology. So the technology becomes easy to use, right? We get better Cintiqs, better 
um, you know, sort of drawing screens, those things that get better, they get more fun to use. You can, the computers get faster. You can do new things with them. The software programs get easier, more fun to use, more artist friendly, um, new software programs get created. Uh, you know, if you look at the idea of uh, like procreate on an iPad as being like a thing that people are doing, the concept of that was very hard to conceive of, you know, pre sort of 2015 when when that kind of real, you know, the iPad Pro and Procreate and it really kind of started to, you know, sort of build some steam. And now it's kind of just crazy. And, you know, stuff can change really, really quickly in, in that instance. I, I often sort of think about the, you know, the, the classic sort of um, NFT artist Beeple. I remember seeing some of his work, which is essentially – kind of animated 3D stuff that was weird and trippy. And I literally remember seeing it and going, that's really cool. It's a pity that guy will never make any money because there's no way to monetize that at all. He's just doing stupid animations and he's doing them every day. And I'm like, look, that's the coolest thing ever. Like, look how fun these things are. Uh, it's just a pity no one's ever going to pay him any money from that. You know, and... Then, uh, you know, next day he's, uh, you know, making $70 million selling his NFT art, right? And it's just something you would never, ever conceive of being possible that focusing your art and your, and your, and your ideas onto doing this thing and building this, like, you know, capital A artist aura around yourself would pay off, right? It, it, you kind of start down a road and you don't really know what opportunities are going to come along, until they come knocking. And I think, again, you kind of see the quality of phone cameras getting better, the attraction for vertical video in TikTok and Reels, etc. And it really does seem to me that like there's a lot of opportunities for people to just do art and sell it to people on the internet in a way that just was not possible 10 15, 20 years ago. The idea you would have to go through a gallery, you'd have to give these people 50% of your cut. Now it's like, I'm like, oh, that's actually, that kind of seems like fun. Like if I was starting again, like I, I might actually think about doing that because I'm like, look at that. I mean, the business model kind of makes sense, right? You kind of make these cool videos about yourself, either drawing or it's like just kind of like, oh, look, I'm an artist on 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 the internet and, and people are kind of interested in that and maybe they buy some prints or something. Um, again, like the scale, the scale of people out there is crazy. The the scale that you can reach is insane. And I, I think there's a lot of these things where like, oh, it kind of didn't make sense when there was like a hundred thousand people on Twitter, you know, back back when it just started. But now when you can reach like millions of people doing these things, it's it's very interesting to see what might be possible going forward. And I think, again, as the technology for finding people that you actually want to be interested in, maybe the technology of like less it just kind of making you doom scroll through garbage that you don't want to actually see, but kind of, you know, is kind of firing off all your you know rat um, sort of reptile dopamine nonsense in your brain. Um, again, you know, there might be a lot of interesting possibilities in the future. Anyway, I digress, but it's just an example of how I think it's so important. Again, and this is me kind of reminding myself as well that if we look at what opportunities there are out there, these technologies and the energy involved in what's happening right now, which is very much part of people getting better at art, 
I think that if we can take advantage of those, then we're going to be in a good position, even if everything kind of starts to change, basically. So the last takeaway that I think is worth considering is the idea of a philosophical or a spiritual view on all of this stuff. Now, I really think that the thing that strikes me is that quote about artists being dangerous because they mix with all classes of society. I really think there is a thing about being an artist or someone who is creating things and being able to sort of create these, again, in, in my case, in, in your case, potentially 2D representational images. I think there is something, again, where that has a lot of power. And I think understanding how stuff is created as we do through working on our craft and, you know, maybe just, you know, aspiring to, to work in whatever sort of industry is willing to give us a job. There's nevertheless a lot of power that comes with that, with understanding how all that stuff is made in the world. And again, I think it is true that often artists have a slightly different take on things and that does allow them to mix with different classes of people and I think that often the power of artists in society is kind of captured and hidden from them. And I do think that being in a situation where we can learn our craft, where it is easier and easier to get better and to challenge ourselves, that I think if we can get to that level and then start to think what we can do with it, how you can embrace that concept of maybe being dangerous, maybe being able to have, be someone who has some form of power that you can actually change the world in some way with your art, with all of these tools, with all of these new opportunities. I think there's something there. All right. I think that's all we got time for on this one. Maybe we got a little bit deep bit philosophical. I'm not sure. Let me know in the comments down below. Again, as I said, this is mostly to start a conversation. I don't have any crystal ball, although that would be cool. Mostly, I'm just interested in hearing what you think about this. Does this give you any power, any energy? Does it help you to understand in my view of the world that, again, I think we are having a lot more challenge. It's a lot harder to be an artist than it ever has been. Um, but I think there's a lot more opportunity as an artist than there has been. And I think it is a really good thing for the world that there is more good drawing out there. I think the more good drawing, the more art, the more passionate, the more passionate artists that there are, then I think the better everything is going to be. And I think that's an important thing to appreciate. But uh, yeah, anyway, let me know what you think. I'll see you in the comments below. Other than that, we'll catch you around on the next one.